Please be aware that this episode includes conversations about sex. Little White Lies. Harmless. Inconsequential. At the right moment, even entertaining. I just remember thinking he was really confident and very, like, sort of secure in himself, and he just seemed to know who he was. He said, I'm a relationship therapist for women over, I think it was, like, 30. I had this big issue to get around, which was the fact that I had made up a new persona on this skiing holiday. But sometimes a little white lie that's retold repeated and invested in can get you into a little trouble. As as fun and hilarious as it was, I knew it was something that had to be dealt with. And so I was chatting to my friend and I said, you know, what do you think I should do? And he goes, look, as far as I can see it, you've got three options. Your first option is to say, look, you know what? When we arrived in Marybell, we thought it'd be a good laugh to come up with these new personas ended up in a big tangled web and this is this is the truth of what I actually do the second option was to just kind of do nothing you never know where it's going to go anyway just see how it goes and then the third option was to actually become a sex therapist I'm Tay Diggs, and from Sony Music Entertainment, this is You Had Me at Hello, the show where everyday people share their extraordinary stories of how they met and fell in love, and sometimes how things later fell apart. Love, its highs and lows, mess and drama, awkwardness and laughs. Come with us as we celebrate it all. On this week's episode, we meet two people who may as well be starring in their very own British rom-com. It's a story about how a joke between friends becomes a lie between lovers. This is The Sex Therapist. So the real me is a man called Tom, and I work in London. The classic, you know, office hours, the daily grind in the office Monday to Friday. It's 2019, and Tom is in his mid-twenties, working in a busy London office. So it was a Friday afternoon at work, and I was with my very good friend Jack. And we were feeling very spontaneous, and we decided it would be a good idea to see if we could go on a ski holiday. Tom and Jack pull up some travel sites and start looking for a snowy vacation spot for the following week. They're two young guys with good jobs and no kids. They're free as birds, and they're looking to fly. And so we started looking online, and we found this place that looked quite nice in the pictures, called up the ski company, and they said, we do have two spots available in the chalet. This was for next week. Yes, the chalet. Nestled amidst the breathtaking landscapes of the Swiss and French Alps, 
Chalets exude rustic charm with their wooden structures and gentle sloping roofs. These alpine retreats can be booked privately or shared with other groups. And if you're feeling extra fancy, you might choose a catered chalet where a host cooks for you every night. Tom and Jack think that sounds perfect. We're like, yes, let's do it. So we, we, made the, we made the payment and 48 hours later, we were in resort. Tom and Jack touched down in the French Alps on Sunday afternoon. At the same time, a family, also from England, have just landed at the airport themselves and are heading in the same direction, to the very same chalet. We are a skiing family. I'd say I'm quite a good skier. I've done it for nearly 10 years, so I know what I'm doing on the piste. This is Sophie. In 2019, she's in her early 20s, and living at home with her family in the New Forest, a rural area in southwest England. So we had booked the trip to Meribel, which is in France. It was just me, my mum, my dad and my brother. The family arrives at the chalet, which they've booked for the week. The accommodation has three private bedrooms with ensuite bathrooms, but the rest of the chalet is communal, and Sophie notices there's room for two more. As Sophie and her family settle in, the two mystery guests arrive. But when Tom and Jack get to the chalet, they realize this chalet isn't quite the luxury the photograph suggested. When we arrived at the chalet, all I can remember seeing is on the windowsill those kind of you know those octagonal glasses that you get in Ikea, just glued to the windowsill with Red Bull? Uh, let me help you out. Drinking glasses with sticky remains of Red Bull and Jägermeister at the bottom, from at least the night before, are sitting there stuck to the windowsill of this absolutely non-luxurious chalet. And then this bowl of porridge that had just been like encrusted and dried in the sun and been there for weeks and quickly we just started realizing that this chalet was just not what we thought it was going to be. Tom and Jack go to the local bar to discuss their next move. They decide their only option is to request a transfer to a different chalet. Being a Sunday we tried to call the ski company and there was of course no answer so we knew we were there for a minimum of 24 hours. And to make it fun, uh, my friend Jack then decided that it would be a good idea, given we haven't met the, our fellow guests, to make up new, new personas and just to pretend to be different people when we arrive in the chalet. And so that's when we started devising our plan. Tom and Jack figured that by this time tomorrow, They'll be saying goodbye to the people they're lodging with and will never see them again. Why not have a little fun tonight? Something to take their minds off the bowls and the glasses. They asked themselves, if we could do anything for a job, what would it be? Tom's friend Jack is a talented musician in his spare time, so he lands on professional trumpet player. And Tom? 
I've always been to some extent interested in psychology. I just find it so fascinating. So the original idea was for me to just be like a therapist. And then over the course of a couple of drinks at this bar, we start expanding the mandate of the therapy. And we decided it'd be quite funny if it's more, you know, a relationship therapist. <laughs> a sex and relationship therapist, specializing in women above the age of 30. Brave choice. So we're, we're primed and ready with our new personas, and we head back to the chalet. When you have a, a, a catered chalet, um, the chalet host will sort of cook every single night. So you eat with these people. They're like complete strangers. You have no idea what, who they are. After a brief introduction, Sophie, her family, Tom and Jack sit down at the dinner table and break bread. <laughs> the fire is roaring and the wine in conversation flows. And invariably in a social situation, when you're meeting new people, one of the first questions that comes up is, so what do you do? He said, I'm a relationship therapist for women above 32 to like 44, I think was the age bracket. I just was like, oh, what a cool area to work in. Like I've never met somebody, a normal therapist, let alone somebody who's a relationship therapist. And myself, along with everybody else at that table, wanted to find out more. <laughs> a man in his 20s, specializing in sex therapy and relationship therapy for women over 30? Yeah. I can see how that might warrant a few questions. As the evening went on, it was kind of letting out that it was a bit more focused on, you know, relationships that are struggling, you know, on the physical side. Sophie's mom, several drinks in by now, can't help herself. He must have been talking about something, hinting at something sexual, and she was like, oh, I'll give you a bit of money later so I can get some tips from you. And I was just like, oh, God, no. <laughs> Mom, I don't need you saying that. Sophie's father was kind of joking, well, to, to joking to Sophie, well, your mother and I might need a few sessions. <laughs> While Sophie is dying from the kind of embarrassment that only parents can provide, Tom is having a ball. This is going to be even better than he imagined back at the bar. He was just such a funny person, always laughing, always making people laugh, having a great time. There was none of this sort of like nerves or he just seemed to know who he was. Something is happening. Aside from the embarrassment, Sophie's feeling other things. Things for Tom, the apparent sex therapist. <laughs> It was just so weird being around my parents in that situation. Oh, there's this hot guy here, but uh, mum and dad are at the other side of the table and, you know, my brother's over there as well. Sophie isn't the only one feeling the spark. Tom is realising he's actually quite into the person he's just lied to. It was quite clear quite quickly that the lady sitting opposite me was someone that, you know, we were laughing at the same jokes. There was that initial attraction and quickly the conundrum, how am I gonna be able to convert this situation that we've just found ourselves in into a situation where I can properly introduce myself to, to Sophie? 
And just as Tom has that thought, Sophie's mom asks an unwanted question. What qualifications do you need to become a, become a therapist? Uh-oh. And he just turned around and said, no qualifications. No qualifications? You've only met this woman for five minutes, Tom, and you're already getting caught in a web of lies. Lucky for Tom, Sophie and her mom are too polite to continue probing. I mean, they are British, from a land where people apologize profusely when somebody bumps into them. Think Hugh Grant in Notting Hill or Colin Firth in Bridget Jones. The evening draws to a close. Tom and Jack explain that they plan on leaving the chalet tomorrow, so the group decide to reunite for dinner at a restaurant later in the week. Everybody says goodnight and heads to bed, some a little drunk, others a little confused. The next day, our emails that we'd sent, you know, previously had got through to the ski chalet, and they were like, yeah, we're more than happy to accommodate a change of chalet. Tom and Jack settle into their new place while Sophie and her family enjoy some quality time on the slopes. As the days go by, the anticipation of the planned reunion dinner grows. They might be, you know, loving the new chalet people and having a great time and have forgotten all about us. But they turned up, they were really late, still in skis, still in ski boots. They still turned up. I said to Jack before, look, um, I'd actually really quite like to get to know Sophie. So if we all go out together, maybe, you know, after a couple of drinks, if you're not, only if you're not feeling it, um, you might, you might, you know, drop out after a couple, after a couple of drinks. (laughs) We had a really fun dinner together. And after that, they were like, oh, do you want to go for drinks? And I was like, yeah, I think it'll be really, really fun. After the third round, you know, there was that, that, that slight nod and, uh, and, and then Jack kind of made his excuses and disappeared. Tom and Sophie are finally alone. I didn't want to think it was a date and I didn't want to ask him if it was a date. I was just a bit shy. But I thought, uh, you know, I was very much enjoying going for drinks with this incredibly attractive man. Constantly playing in the back of my mind, there's this quandary in my head. On the one hand, this story is so funny that I kind of don't want to let it go. But at the same time, I want to be authentic and genuine for someone that I'm getting to know and actually really starting to quite like. So. That was constantly swaying in my head, but it never got to the point where it felt that, you know, serious or significant enough that I had to kind of do something about it there and then. I was happy to just kind of let it let it roll for a bit. Sophie and Tom are completely wrapped up in the romantic, cozy ski village setting. Outside, the mountains are covered in snow, but inside, the fire is roaring and things are heating up. So I definitely thought he was a very, 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 very hot from the from the get-go, very attractive from the get-go. Sophie is so in the moment. She isn't focused on Tom's career. She's just focused on Tom. He just kind of said everything with a confidence and a charm. The music was great. We were having a great laugh. 
but I guess even though you're quite confident that the feelings might be reciprocated, you never really know until you until you make that move. Tom is so taken with Sophie that he completely forgets his dilemma. Right now, as he looks into her eyes, it doesn't matter what he does for a living. What matters is what he's about to do. And so, yeah, just had to take a deep breath and, and go for it. And we were listening to this uh, live acoustic guitarist, and that's where we had our first kiss. We just had this really nice night together. And we just had a little kiss before, before we had to go our separate ways. It's bitterly cold outside. But when Sophie and Tom say goodnight under the twinkling stars, they feel a warmth rush through their bodies. As they head off in opposite directions, they glance back at each other one last time. I just kind of remember thinking, oh, I just don't know what's going to happen. Like, we kind of had a drink together, but did he think, okay, I've, I've kissed her, that's it, done. After that um, initial evening, we went back to our respective chalets and there was now a real possibility I might not see Sophie again. Neither one of them wanted this to be the end of their story, but only Tom knew that he had a secret. He wondered what would happen if Sophie learned the truth about his well-meaning prank. Would she laugh? Would she be mad? Was what they found in the Alps worth coming clean and looking like a fool for? Find out after the break. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wildcard, wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. When Sophie and Tom wake up the morning after their kiss, the end of holiday blues are setting in. Rainy, gray England is just around the corner and there's every possibility that this romantic chance encounter has already run its course. I just remember not seeing him on the coach at the airport and really looking out for him and wanting to see him, but I just didn't, didn't see him then. The journey home is bleak. Sophie had expected she might feel sad at the end of her family vacation, but there's another sadness there too, a longing for a hot, unlicensed sex therapist who she really wants to see again. Tom's going through something similar, but he's also thinking about the problem he's created. I got back to London, but the odds were kind of stacked against me at this point because firstly, I lived in London and Sophie lived in the New Forest. And secondly, I had this big issue to get around, which was the fact that I had made up a new persona on this skiing holiday. But Tom's got Sophie's phone number. And Tom can't stop thinking about her. A couple of days after we landed, he texts me to say, Hey Sophie, how's it back at work? Hope the post-Meribel blues aren't too bad. 
with two kisses. <laughs> and then I said, hey, it's okay, but I have major blues. You? Question mark. Two kisses. He said he's just missing, missing everything about the mountains. They send their texts, ending in two kisses, back and forth for days. They're both desperate to see each other again, but neither one of them is brave enough to ask the other to make the journey. Sophie lives a couple of hours' drive from London. Just like their chance meeting, they both secretly hope for a little good fortune. We were texting, and she told me that she was planning to head up to London on one of the bank holidays in the next few weeks. I was actually coming up to London to get see my best friend Abby on the Saturday. So I just sort of texted him and was just, just said, like, I could always come up a, the day before, after work, and we could grab some drinks or some dinner. The dinner date is set. Tom now has a few weeks to work out a plan. How is he going to tell her that he lied the first night at the chalet? What will she say when she finds out what he really does for a living? And will she want to continue to get to know somebody who thinks you don't need any qualifications to be a sex therapist? I now faced a bit of a predicament because, you know, as, as fun and hilarious as it was, I knew it was something that had to be dealt with. But every now and then, the real connection Tom and Sophie are building makes it easy for him to slip up and forget his lie. We, we were just texting and he just kind of said, oh, what are you up to after work? And I just kind of was like, oh, I'm going to the gym or something. Um, and I was like, what are you doing after work? And he said, oh, I'm going out with the work lads. And I was just thinking, you're a freelance sex therapist, so you wouldn't have any work lads. Sophie's mind is running to all kinds of places. She suspects Tom is not the therapist he says he is. But what if she says something and she's wrong? I just didn't feel comfortable or confident enough to just say to him, I don't think you're a therapist, because I just thought, what if this actually is his job and I'm just calling him a liar? And what kind of job does he actually have? What kind of job is so socially delicate that Tom chooses to present himself as a sex therapist instead? When the holiday weekend comes around, Sophie gets on a train to London. There's pressure going on a date at the best of times, I think, because you're constantly trying to give yourself a good impression, but also an authentic impression, um, which ironically was very tough <laughs> given the circumstances under which Sophie and I met. Then you layer in the added pressure of your vocation being sex therapy. That comes with an enormous amount of pressure. If their date goes anything like their encounter in the scenic French Alps, the romantic connection will be undeniable. And who knows what the night might hold. Sophie has her doubts. But as things stand, she's well within her rights to expect some, uh, professional moves from Tom. I was so, so nervous. <laughs> so, so nervous about coming up to see him. I know that I wouldn't have been sort of ballsy enough to say about work and trying to get him to say something. We went on this lovely date in London. Um, we were just having a great time. It was just a lot of, a lot of fun. 
laughing um, with good conversation. <laughs> to the point where I'd almost forgotten that I had to deal with this issue. Time flies and it's 10.30 in the evening. The question of what happens next is hanging in the air. He never said to me, do you want to stay at my house before this? So I was just thinking, if worse comes to worse, I'll just go to my best mate Abby's house and just get a taxi there or something. I knew that if Sophie did stay the night, there would be an enormous expectation to deliver. And I just was not sure if I was going to be able to do that. Tom's nervous, afraid that if he's not the lover that Sophie expects him to be, she won't even need a confession. Once again, he chooses to let it roll. I'd prepared the one-liner that I thought would make her laugh at least. And when it got to kind of 10, 11 p.m., I said, so where are you planning on staying tonight? To which she replied, Yours. And he was so shocked. His face was a picture and he just was not expecting me to be so forward and say that. And I just couldn't, I couldn't believe my luck. And that's when the pressure was on. Tom could have folded under that pressure, but instead he decides to risk disappointing Sophie. Ironically, the truth of this moment and how they feel about each other is impossible to deny. Tom knows he has to show up and he's praying he can show out. I didn't have these like outrageous expectations. I think I was just too suspicious at that point to kind of think, oh, you know, this is a sex therapist. I wonder what this is going to be like. But calling somebody a liar is no kind of foreplay. If he is a therapist, that's going to be so awkward. Like, it's just going to really put a bomb in this situation. Sophie doesn't drop the bomb, but there are some explosions. Uh, the first line was great. Very, very good. Ten out of ten, would recommend. <laughs> Maybe Tom is qualified after all. All I'll say is we had an amazing night together and that Sophie didn't say that I can't be a sex therapist. I wasn't rumbled. The night is a success. Just next morning, still basking in the afterglow, Sophie gets a frantic call from her best friend, Abby. The last Abby heard, Sophie had a date with some guy the night before, but now it's the morning and where is she? And who is this guy she's with? Hang on a minute, so who is this man? We don't even know him. You met on holiday and now you're seeing each other? What's happening? Who is he? Where does he live? What's his address? And she also asked me, what does he even do for work? And I was like, to Tom, I was like, she's asking about your job. Trying to give him a, a moment to say, oh, by the way, I'm not actually a therapist. But he just kind of looked at me and there was like this little silence between us. This is your moment, Tom. You've been given the perfect out to your web of lies. It's time to come clean and live a life unburdened by deceit. He just kind of looked at me and just went, therapist. Sophie can't believe it. She's now certain that Tom is being dishonest. I'm giving him an out. I'm giving him an out, but he didn't take it. 
Sophie leaves Tom and continues the weekend in London with her best friend, Abby. Together, they dissect every detail of Tom's story and try to think of every possible reason why he won't tell the truth, but they just can't figure it out. And then it got to the point of the third date. And the third date we'd organized was down in the New Forest, which is the town that Sophie grew up in. And I knew that this was the moment where I just couldn't let it go on any longer. Six weeks have passed since Tom and Sophie first met in the Maribel Mountains. Since the weekend of fireworks in London, they've been on another date and are texting every day. Just before he heads out to meet Sophie in her hometown, Tom decides to call his best friend Jack. He's the co-conspirator of this master plan. Maybe he knows the best way out of it. And so I was chatting to Jack before I went there. And I said, you know, what do you think I should do? And he goes, look, as far as I can see it, you've got three options. Your first option is to say, look, you know what? When we arrived in Marybell, we thought it'd be a good laugh to come up with these new personas. Ended up in a big tangled web. And this is, this is the truth of what I actually do. The second option was to just kind of do nothing. You never know where it's going to go anyway. Just see how it goes. And then the third option was to actually become a sex therapist. And <laughs> she may never know. Find out which option Tom chooses after the break. Tom is psyching himself up for his date with Sophie. By this point, the balance had swung to wanting to get to know this person, developing feelings for this person, and it was kind of no longer a laugh, and I needed to find a way out of that. Tom drives to where Sophie lives in the southwest of England. He picks her up, and they head over to one of her favourite restaurants for lunch. I booked us a table for lunch, and, you know, we were driving over, and he seemed a bit nervous, and I was like, OK, OK, this is, I've not seen him this quiet. And then we kind of got there and started to order. And I could see he was so visibly nervous. Tom isn't himself. He's not making jokes or even making eye contact. But he digs deep. This is it. It's all been leading up to this moment right here. This is the, uh, climax, if you will. And I was thinking... It's coming. He's coming out. Whatever it is, he's going to tell me what's going on. I can't wait for this. I did look across the table for her and say, look, I've got something to, that I need to tell you. I was just like, yeah, what do you need to tell me? Just like not giving anything away. Tom starts at the beginning. If he's going to tell it, then he may as well tell it all. And I said to her, look, when we arrived in Maryville, I explained that the chalet wasn't exactly what we were hoping it was going to be. I explained the the Red Bull glued glasses on the window ledge were a bit off-putting. My man, Tom, this podcast is only so long. Maybe skip the cereal bowls and speed it up a little. We decided it would be fun to come up with these new personas. And I told her what I really did, which is that I work in the finance industry in London and I'm not a therapist and I'm definitely not a sex therapist. 
He's not a government spy or a hitman or even a private investigator. No, Tom works in finance. That's the big secret that's been burning a hole in his conscience. He just works in finance. I just looked him straight in the eye and just said, I know. And I was seriously taken aback at this point because Sophie had not given one inkling away that she didn't believe the story that I had told her during this holiday. And he was just in disbelief. He was like, what? You're kidding me. Like, what? Uh, how did you know? Come on, Tom. Your little prank was hardly a masterpiece in espionage. With everything out in the open, Tom feels like a new man. You could see this, like, relief that it just flooded over him. But what does Sophie think about all this? And he was like, are you mad? And I was like, no, I find this quite funny, actually. It was... It was a huge relief. It was a relief because it's never comfortable to know there's something inauthentic about what you're presenting to somebody. We were still talking, still having a great laugh, still having a good time in spite of that. And the fact that she'd known already. That was the first time I realized there really was a chance that we could make this work. Sophie feels the same way, but after what Tom has put her through, she feels entitled to a little playful revenge. Seeing as he'd been pranking me for all this time, I decided to turn the tables. And I said, you know, I'm fine with it. I find it very funny. But you're going to have to tell my parents because I'm not going to tell them for you. Sophie had already planned that she and Tom would drive over to her parents after lunch so he could say hi. But now he's going to have to follow that greeting with a confession. The relief Tom felt is quickly replaced with a familiar feeling of anxiety. Sophie's pretty sure her parents will find the situation funny too. But she doesn't want Tom to know that. She wants to make him sweat. And I was like, you know, my dad will be all right. He, he, he likes sort of jokes like this. He'll find it quite funny. But my mum hates dishonesty. She hates liars. She hates not being told the truth. And that's when this nervousness came flooding back. And he was just so much more quiet. And we, fin we finished the meal and we had a good time. And then he was driving us back the, to my parents' house. And he was just so quiet the entire journey. Barely spoke a word. And he was so, so nervous. We kind of stood around the, the kitchen table and after saying hello, I just kind of came straight out of it. I was like, look guys, there's something I need to tell you. Just know that this was not done out of like malice or this wasn't done out of a bad place. This was a joke. Um, but I have to tell you that I'm not a therapist. It was just a joke me and, me and Jack cooked up after a few beers when we were in skiing trip. And my dad was just shocked 
not not a hint of suspicion on my dad's part he was just like what no way I can't believe that like you played it so well I had no idea I was just laughing about it he couldn't believe his ears he was just shaking his head like no way no way and he's like I was going to book a session as well and then we just looked at my mum she was quiet has Sophie read this wrong is her mom actually upset she worries that her prank is about to backfire. Her mom is staring intensely at Tom, and he looks like he's about to pass out. His face was like red, and he, you could tell he was like sweating and like so, so nervous. But then... She was like, I just knew. I just knew it. And for her, it was the thing about the qualifications. She knew that that was a bit of a chink in the armour. She just laughed, and luckily she was okay with it as well. So, you know, it was a good result for him in the end. A fantastic result all around. Well played, everybody. I think he had, like, quite a lot of wine after that <laughs> as a stress release. Um, so, yeah, he was very, very happy that she wasn't mad. Tom and Sophie can finally put the sex therapy saga behind them and look to the future. I did think that he thought it was serious because he told us and was very um, open and honest and really wanted to sort of clear the air and start the relationship off, not on a lie. So that's when I knew, OK, we both see this as going somewhere. And where they've gone is from strength to strength. Since then, it's just been the most... Honestly, the most perfect relationship. Over the following months, Sophie and Tom travel from London to the New Forest and from the New Forest to London to see each other. When COVID hits, they can't make their journey anymore, but they stay committed through the lockdowns and the enforced distance between them. In 2021, after two years together, they decide the time is right to buy a place and move in together. And after three years together, well, I'll just let them tell it. For our three-year anniversary, I decided it would be the opportune moment to head back to the mountains where we met. We went on our first ski trip together in uh, April 2022. So I'd made some really special plans to head up to this really beautiful hotel in the mountains, which has this incredible view of the of the whole mountain range. Our bedroom had like floor to ceiling windows and it was just overlooking all the mountains in the valley. When you look around, you see the size of the mountains on their enormous scale and see how tiny the little human beings are skiing down them from a distance. You just realize that you're so small and so insignificant and part of something much, much bigger. With that perspective, it had just been so clear that I wanted to spend the rest of my time with Sophie. After an amazing day skiing the slopes together, the pair head back to their hotel. Before going out to dinner, Tom figures they have time to squeeze in a glass of champagne. I could see he was getting a bit choked up and I just thought, oh my God, this is it, it's happening. All this emotion flooded back to me. And I knew what I wanted to say. It was just a battle to, you know, get the words out. And then, yeah, he just said a really lovely, lovely speech. I got down on one knee and asked Sophie to marry me. 
And I said yes. It was just the best memory I think I will ever have. It was so, so special. The proposal may have happened after three years together, but Sophie's patience with Tom in those first few weeks and her graciousness when the truth was revealed told him everything. He always knew it was her. Even in the moments where she might have believed that I was a therapist and that my friend was a trumpeter, she sees the absolute best in people. She values every person. She values every point of view. But on top of that, she's gorgeous. And we have an absolute laugh together. Like we spend every, at some point every day, we're just dying laughing together. And so when you have a combination like that, you just know that it's so special and you just never want to let it go. Turns out, a little white lie can somehow bring you closer to the truth of how you feel about somebody. It can help you decipher what's real and what's important. It can provide you with opportunities to practice compassion and forgiveness. It can be something you look back on as a unique part of your beautiful love story. And most importantly, if you're ever in need of a sex therapist, don't call Tom. My, my sex therapy career started and ended in Maribel, 2019. I'm Tay Diggs, and this has been You Had Me at Hello. If you have an incredible love story, please reach out to us at lovestories@sonymusic.com. We'd love to hear it. You Had Me at Hello is a Sony Music Entertainment production. It's hosted by me, Tay Diggs. This episode was produced by Martha Miller. Additional production support from Arlie Adlington. The production coordinators are E.K. Egbatola and Lily Handley. The production manager is Kat Moran. It was written by Femi Keeling and the production team. Al Siona Mick composed the original music. The sound designer is Tom Drew. Isis Thompson, Louisa Field, and Tay Diggs are the executive producers. Special thanks to Jez Nelson, Chris Skinner, and Julia Stevenson.